Eagles Entertainment. Everything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. Go. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another day, and we've got another win to break down as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 479. At the top of today's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Greg Cosell about a very productive day through the air for the Eagles offense, a three-sack performance from linebacker Nicholas Morrow, and a lot more on the defensive side, and then we dive into a preview of Sunday's matchup against the LA Rams. Now, before we get there, as always, a couple things we want to make sure we hit on. Number one, make sure you head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you can get your podcasts rate, review, subscribe. Appreciate everybody that has left questions and comments as the season has progressed here. Uh, appreciate all the support we can get from all of our listeners. Also, be sure to go check out the All 22 Review. Depending on when you're listening to this, it should be up on the Eagles YouTube page. All the plays you're going to hear Greg and I break down, they're all going to be in that segment. So you want to go check that out. The All 22 Review, that will be available again over on the Eagles podcast page. That said, let's get into it. Uh, I'm excited to chop things up here with Greg Cosell. It's time now for Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, time to welcome in Greg Cosell for Chalk Talk as we go through the Eagles' win in overtime over the visiting Washington Commanders. The Eagles now 4-0, Greg. Uh, their first NFC East win here in 2023. Uh, a tight one, to be sure, but a lot to take away on both sides of the football. Yeah, it was actually a really entertaining game to go through the uh, coaching tape. I, I really kind of enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. It was, both a, sides, it was a, really. a lot to go through. We, you and I were graced with not just one overtime game to study today, but two overtime games because the Rams went to overtime as well. So uh, we had a lot of extra football. To oh, watch, yeah, that, that, uh, yeah that, that, that didn't make me uh, overly happy, but that's sometimes <laughs> the way it goes. Exactly right. All right. Well, let's get into it. Well, so we'll start on the Eagles offense. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts, he, he throws for a season high. I believe it was 319 yards, 175 of those go to AJ Brown. You saw some some big time throws from Jalen down the field in particular. Uh, what were some of your takeaways just watching the pass game? Yeah, I, I thought this game that Jalen overall was better. I thought he seemed more decisive in the pocket with his reads and his throws. And as he did last season, uh, Fran, I thought he made some outstanding vertical throws. Um, you know, I think I, I made this note, and I think you would agree. I th- he will always have plays in which he leaves the pocket prematurely. Um, I think that's just who he is as a quarterback. Um, you know, he's always been able to make plays with his legs, probably since he started playing quarterback at whatever age that was. So I think that he'll always do that. You know, there are quarterbacks in the league like that. There's more and more, actually, quarterbacks and even ones who come into the league now who are really good athletes, and they've always been able to make plays with their legs. And I think that instead of it being a parachute for them, you know, the last possible thing, they they just it, it's ingrained in them that, hey, that's part of my game. Um, although I don't know what you thought. I thought he looked a little slower in his movement. Did you kind of get that feeling? 
You know, I think that there were a couple plays where, you know, like Chase, he was racing Chase Young to the corner. Uh, there was a play where St. Juice, that was actually a really nice pass off between St. Juice and the linebacker in the middle of the field. So St. Juice picked him up and, and ran him down. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, we haven't seen like, obviously he had that, what was it, a 23, 23 or 24 yarder uh, late in the game on the final drive uh, that put them ahead. But um, yeah, outside of that, like, yeah, we, we haven't seen like those big runs uh, from an explosive standpoint. No. Um, but anyway, that's just what I felt watching the tape, you know, so sometimes, you know, I could be wrong, but uh, I just kind of felt that way watching it. Yeah, to me, like watching, I, I would agree that I think that certainly you saw a handful of big time throws. I mean, the uh, the throw to A.J. Brown in the uh, in the turkey hole in cover two down the left sideline was big time. The throw to Dallas Goddard on the flood concept was a great route from Goddard, a diving catch where only he could get it. Uh, oh, that was, was a great, great throw. Great I mean, throw, that was, great catch. That was a really, really good throw. Yeah, uh, the, the Devontae Smith, uh, the post versus cover four. It was a good ball. You know, the, you go down the list. There were, there were a bunch of really good ones uh, here in this football game. And, and certainly could, also like some examples of, uh, you know, him getting through progressions, him throwing with some touch underneath uh, yeah. the, the the touch throw uh, late in the game in overtime uh, to Devontae or to uh, DeAndre Swift uh, was a was a nice touch throw, uh, understanding the coverage and getting the ball out fast. Um, you know, there were there were a handful of those throws in this game as well. So it wasn't just the vertical stuff. Uh, clearly some things that they still need to clean up. And as you mentioned there will always be uh some of those clips where yeah like he leaves the leaves an early pocket um but you alluded to the, you know the fact that that's kind of becoming par for the course around the NFL with some of these top quarterbacks yeah i thought the other throw that was a really good throw and really well placed was a key 11 yards on third and eight yeah. on the late fourth quarter td drive i'm sure you remember that play yep. that was a tight zone window he had to place that perfectly and that was a gutsy throw in a critical situation so overall i thought he clearly played better you and I both know when you just said it and you're 100% right that they'll go over the film. He'll go over it with with Coach Siriano, with Coach Johnson, um, Alex Tanny as well. And they'll they'll find things that they know they need to get better at. And Jalen is that kind of kid. So, uh, you know, obviously they'll work on those things. But given the way he played the week prior, I thought this was a step forward because the week prior, I thought he'd be, you know, to be kind, I thought he played poorly the week prior. Yeah, and so continuing to just see uh, these strides. And look, the point I made with uh, with Ike Reese on the post game show on Sunday night, just talking about this team, talking about this game, we talk about this offense, really all, all phases, right? This offense and this this team, this Eagles team, is not the same as the 2022 team. Like there, there are there, it's going to be a different. It's a different team every single year. So you're always trying to find early in the season, like what is your identity? What is it that you do well? What are your strengths as a pass game, as a run game, as a pass rush, as a run defense? Right, like you go down the board. Uh, and I think when you look at, at this pass game, clearly, like they're trying to figure out, like okay, uh, what buttons are the most reliable for us? Which levers can we know? Like if it's crunch time, it's third and long. We this is this is our go to play. Uh, or this is something that we feel really comfortable running and, you know, just finding that identity. That's going to be part of the process here in the next, uh, in these first few weeks of the season. Yeah. And as you know, Fran, every season is different. You just can't say, well, they were really good at this last year. So that's automatically going to happen again. Um, And I think one thing that continues to stand out up to this point, and now we have four games, which is starting to be a meaningful number of games. Yep. One or two is not. Four is starting to be a meaningful number. doesn't mean it's going to play out exactly the way it did in the first four, but you do start to get a sense. Um, And I think what stands out about the Eagles um, with uh, Brian Johnson as the OC is that he's committed to running the football, uh, and particularly when he feels they can run it well. And, you know, I think that that's something – I'm not saying they didn't run it in the past. Obviously, we know that Miles Sanders had a lot of – 
uh, yards a year ago. But the run game this year has not been about Jalen Hurts. Even though teams might still be defending the run in that way, it has not been about him up to this point in time. It's been about DeAndre Swift and, you know, and, and what we would call probably more conventional runs. And, you know, I don't see why he's going to go away from that. And now there might be games where you have to based on the opponent, the score. But, you know, I think Coach Johnson believes that you have to run the ball. You know, what's funny is, you know, when I was going back through my notes uh, after watching the film and just kind of uh, as it was, I was letting it wash over me. I know that the numbers weren't there for DeAndre Swift this week. Uh, what did he finish? Uh, like under 60 yards rushing compared to the last two where he went over 100. I thought this was like his best game in terms of just like getting downhill and hitting it. Yeah. Yeah, there was, uh, the, I, I actually, there were a handful of runs where I was like, man, like that, yeah. that is a really good run that you typically like in the past, when you watched Deandre Swift, like you didn't see that from him. Uh, he, he is, he's running the ball really, really well. I'm, I'm really liking his patience and his decisiveness with the ball in his hands. And I don't know if I made a note of this particular run, but um, I thought that he had a really good seven or eight yard run where he he moved the second level defender. I might I forget which backer it was. It, it was probably Barton. Um, but I I just thought it was a really really good run. And it's funny you say that because I thought the same thing watching the tape. Um, I thought that you know ultimately he just he runs way better than people might think in confined space. He he navigates can find space really, really well. And I think that that's a trait that's absolutely essential if you're going to be a feature type back. Yeah. And what's that? That's what's funny is like, there were a handful of runs uh, that we just described where it was like, Oh, like, you know, six, run, six yards, seven yards, eight yards where uh, it wasn't the, the 20 plus or even a touchdown, but on his touchdown run that capped the, the first drive, the opening drive of the game, I, I don't know that you or I could have scored, but uh, it was that was there was a, a very wide lane that the Eagles were able to create. And that was all scheme driven. I mean, there was a split zone with a, a jet motion going the opposite way. And the, the, the defense just kind of parted. It was it was outstanding blocking up front as yeah. well. Uh, and, you know, there was a, a really well-designed run to get him into the end. Yeah, zone. I don't remember. Um, have, do you remember them using that jet motion on that basic split flow zone run? I don't remember seeing that this year. Maybe I missed something. Not this, uh, not this year. I, I, in years past, they've dabbled with it, but not a ton. This one was really well executed. Yeah, and, and of course, they got Young working upfield to the outside and Allen with an inside swim move, so the hole was wide open. And, of course, the motion expanded the linebacker, David. So it was a really well-designed play. Now, you don't know that Young's going to work upfield and that Allen's going to swim inside, but, hey, that's what happened, and the hole was was wide. Yep. Yeah, no, no question. So, uh, you know, DeAndre, DeAndre Swift uh, really showing up overall in this game. I thought, obviously, A.J. Brown, I mean, 175 yards. Uh, he had the two big touchdowns as well. One, you know, both of them really well designed. One was off the uh, the fake screen to, to Dallas yeah. Goddard, and then the other one uh, off a little stutter go at the top of the screen. stutter go. Yeah. And by the way, Fran, I think I could have made it through that hole. I'm just yeah, letting you know. I mean, I don't know if you would have made You might have made it through the hole. I don't know if you would have made it through the end zone, but you would have made well, it through the Well, there you hole. go. Hey, yeah, yeah. At <laughs> um, one time, I think I might have, but yeah, yeah maybe not anymore. Yeah, you yeah. and me both. Um, yeah, exactly. So, uh, let me ask you, overall with AJ, like any takeaways from from watching this game uh, when it comes to him in terms of his usage or uh, anything qualities, the quality-wise that stood out to, about No, I mean, I think we're seeing the same kind of receiver we saw a year ago. As you said, one was a was a highly schemed play, um, uh, and, and the other was a stutter go. You know, he Forbes was is the boundary corner, and they were working on him a little bit. Um and, you know, I think that the uh, 
the stutter go was clearly schemed to to you know to get Forbes. That's why Brown lined up on the uh, on the boundary side of the formation in a three by one set. Um, they knew they were going to get uh, uh, you know Forbes, and I thought that was really really well done. Um, by the way, I thought his best throw of the game. And I, I can't remember if you just mentioned it, you know, maybe see there, there you go. I'm getting old. I thought his best throw of the game was 28 yards to Brown in the no outside question. void and cover two. No question. Uh, and what I, there were two things I loved about the, the play. Number one, uh, the throw from Hertz. So, I mean, it, he, he striped it uh, into the turkey hole, right? So in between the corner and the safety and cover two. But I also love, like, the, the Eagles were running two verticals to that side. You had Goddard working down the seam. That held that safety and, and allowed that void to exist, right? And so uh, also just understanding, like, all right, this is the coverage we're likely to get. What are the route concepts that we need to be able to run against this? Uh, so running as many vertical routes as the Eagles did to that side, that helped you know, create that void, hold that safety there. Uh, the route from Goddard, I thought was really important. But you know what I really liked about it? Because I watched that play a number of times because actually I was thinking about it as a possible film piece for the matchup oh, nice. show. Okay. Um, uh, was, um, and I may or may not do it. I mean, at the, you know, on a Monday, I, you know, I, there's there's five different, you know, possibilities for games, you know, because obviously we're doing the uh, the uh, Eagles-Rams uh, game in the show. And so right now I have five different possibilities on either, either side of the ball. Sure. Um, but the point I'm making is what I really loved about it is when he took the snap, his eyes were right in the middle of the field. And yep. I think the way he knew it was covered too is he saw Barton retreat mm. and sink. And then he knew, because if you look at when he started to release the ball, he released the ball before Brown was even past the corner. So he knew as he looked down the middle of the field and saw Barton sink, that's how he knew it was covered too. And mm -hmm. I thought that was really good by Hertz because you can't wait on that throw. You have to throw that ball with great timing and anticipation. Yeah. And that was, uh, that was one of your firm uh, touch throws as well. Uh, just, yeah. So I really was... thought he, 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 he just read the coverage right away by seeing Barton sink and he knew, Hey, this is covered too. He wouldn't be sinking if it wasn't covered too. No doubt, uh, you know, and they, they uh, Washington threw in, uh, you know, there, there was a heavy, four, heavy cover four team coming into the game, but uh, they threw in, uh, a, a, I would say, a variety of zone coverages here. Yeah, in this yeah. You know, they 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 played, uh, they played some zero, they played some one, uh, they played some different robber coverage, especially late in the set in the uh, in the second half down the stretch. Uh, you saw some single high man coverage from them, but uh, they played a lot of two. They played a lot of two invert, so uh, they definitely oh, they mixed things up from that standpoint. Yeah, and I made the point that they played a significantly higher percentage of man in the second half. They also picked up their blitz frequency with more five-man pressures. Yep. Um, you know, look, they uh, they you know, when you play a really good offense and uh, no matter what's happened through the first three games this year until you got to this game, the fact is the Eagles have a very good offense. What they average about 30 points a game a year ago. I mean, this team has really good wideouts. You know, Hertz is a really good player. So, you know, there's a really good offense. You can't just line up and do the same thing. Yeah, I mean, they're fifth in the league in scoring uh, as we sit here today, uh, here in 2023. Right. So uh, a team that's clearly uh, being able to put some points on the board. And so Washington tried to force the issue there uh, a little bit. Um, we'll see what this uh, this Cam Jurgens injury, Greg. Uh, obviously, he's listed week to week. There's reports out about what that could mean here for the Eagles. I'll be interested to see if it ends up being uh, Suo Opeta, who uh, Nick Sirianni said had an excellent game this past I week. I thought he did. Stepping in for Jurgens. What, what did you see from Opeta? I mean, I, I I didn't study him on every play, but I made it a point to take a, a closer look than I might have otherwise simply yeah. because, um, you know, he was playing for Juergens. And I got to tell you, I thought he played fine. I thought he did well in the run game. I thought he passed protected well. You know, I didn't come away feeling, man, he, he had a tough time. I thought he played well. 
that and that's the thing. Whenever you see a, an offensive lineman enter a game midstream, is like, okay, like, uh, are you able? Are you almost able to watch the offense operate without saying like, oh, there's the backup offensive lineman, right? Like, and I feel like uh, he kind of passed the sniff test that way. I thought he absolutely did. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, Devontae Smith, we, we could talk through a handful of his plays, but uh, actually one, one thing real quick. Um, the, and this was one of my favorite aspects of this, but the, the big, the, uh, the highlight, the, the scheme touchdown to AJ Brown, the, uh, the fake screen, uh, down the field, they pointed this out in the broadcast. So a lot of our listeners will, will have seen this, but, uh, I'll tell you what the effort from Zacchaeus, uh, coming down to coming downfield as a blocker. I mean, I don't know if you saw like the change in speeds before the ball was even caught by AJ, uh, Alameda like took off down the field and gave him right. an escort down there. And, and uh, Devante uh, also lead blocking out in front as well. Uh, but Zacchaeus just coming from, you know, 30 yards away and laying a block uh, to get him into the end zone. I thought was awesome. Yeah. And that's, you know, you, you often see that on, you know, on winning teams, you You're see right. that kind of effort. You'd like to see it from everybody all the time. Um, but that was just a really well executed schemed play. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, the, again, it was it was Forbes. It was to the boundary. So Forbes uh, was the guy that that jumped. Uh, he reacted to the tunnel screen look. All right. Well, let's go over to the uh, the other side of the football here, and we'll talk about the Eagles' defense. Um, look, not at not as uh, you know, of beautiful of a day on that on that side of the football. You give up uh, about thirty points, right? And so that that's look, there are too many mistakes. Honestly, like that that was to me was the big thing is that uh, you had penalties, especially in critical spots. You know, mental errors. You had missed tackles, some missed opportunities for sacks on Sam Howell, uh, and they happened in high leverage situations. You had them in the red zone. You had them again on third down, and so uh, that kept Washington. Uh, in this game, it kept the it kept a lot of big drives alive for them. Uh, kept touchdown drives alive when it could have been field goals. So uh, this game's a lot different if you cut through a lot of those mistakes. But uh, what were your big takeaways just watching the defense? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I agree with what you said. Um, I thought that you know Sam Howell played really well. I you know the one thing I guess that surprised me, probably surprised you to some degree, is I thought the Commanders' O line overall held up well in pass protection. I really didn't expect that. Um, now, again, having said that, doesn't mean every single play, but for the most part, this was not a game where Sam Howell was under constant duress. Um, yeah, it was one of those things. You know, I was gonna say it was one of those things we're watching, uh, especially early on, like the the first 15, 20 plays. Uh, what that opening script was for them. You know, a lot of stacks, a lot of bunches, yeah. you saw screens, play actions. They're going to move the pocket. Uh, so they they really kind of uh, kept the defense and the defensive front on their toes that way. It created some clean reads from Howell, let him kind of build up some confidence and, and kind of get into a rhythm a little bit. Uh, and then, yeah, he came through and made some big time plays. And, and that was the thing about it was like, uh, you know, you have all right, you can have some of those those, those easy button plays. Then you have some of the mistakes mixed in, right? So some of those plays, oh, it's you know, it's, it's third and eleven, and you get a defensive holding penalty or defensive a, a pass interference, right? And now the drive stays alive, and now it's uh, second and eight, and Howell makes a big time throw, right? And it's like, yeah. So once you get like those that that combination of things, that's how the you know a team puts up uh, the amount of points that they did against this defense. Yeah, who do you think made the mistake on the on the Brown thirty five yarder? Um, Brown. Yeah, I'll tell you, I'm going to look at my notes. I believe yeah, but that I would have said slay, but I'm that's gonna... what I thought because, you know, yeah, I thought, uh, uh, yeah, I thought anyways, slay kind of got stuck moving, you know, p- moving inside too much. Yep. So if I so what I wrote down on that one was first of all, I really loved the concept. It was a great concept against, uh, the Eagles cover three scheme right there. It was, it looked like it was kind of like a three match coverage. Uh, they had a double mug, so a pressure look up front. So you had guys dropping back in the line of scrimmage, uh, and it was out of a bunch set. 
and they ran essentially like a corner route, uh, it's like a kind of like a skinny post and like a route underneath it. And out of that bunch look, I feel like the, the lines kind of got blurred a little bit in terms of who was going to pick up who. And Slay was just late to react to the, uh, the Deami Brown, uh, break on the route. And so he broke to the sideline and it turned into an explosive play. You know, and you made a good point too about Howell. He made some tough throws. I mean, the 27 yarder to Thomas down the seam uh, was a big time yes. throw as he was getting hit by getting Milton hit. Williams, yep. you know, who had beaten the left guard Charles. So, I mean, you know, Howell didn't make some big time throws and he will stand there. I mean, when he had McLaurin for 24 yards on third and four early in the second quarter, you know, I thought that was really high level quarterbacking. He looked left. Then came back right. The pocket got muddied. He stayed there. He moved his feet with his eyes. I mean, he made some big time throws. Yeah, no question. Uh, I, I thought Sam Howell had a good uh, good day overall uh, when you look at his performance, especially you know coming back off last week. And that's what that's what we talked about, right? I mean, obviously it was almost like laughable what the, what the Washington did against Buffalo a week ago with uh, you know nine sacks and four picks. But uh, the, the film kind of told a different story over the course of the entire season up to this point with those three games. Uh, and he came back and and responded well. So uh, you know you want to credit the young quarterback uh, with the oh. way he performed in that instance. I mean, he's now gone on the road in Denver and in Philly and played really high-level football. Mm. And Brian Robinson uh, ran the ball really hard as well. He had a couple of really nice runs in this game and, and did enough to kind of keep them ahead of the chains. And, and look, the Eagles have one of, if not the number one run defense in the league. They've got one of the best run fronts uh, in the NFL. Uh, and I thought Robinson ran the rock really well. Yeah, I mean, obviously he had those two, uh, you know, his two best runs of the game came on consecutive plays on the right. fourth quarter TD drive when he had the nine yarder and then the 15 yard touchdown. Um, but they tried to run it. You know, it's hard to run against the Eagles. I mean, yeah. those two were really good runs in critical situations, obviously. Um, Cause it, uh, that tied the game, I believe. Um, uh, no. Yeah. Tied the game at the time. Um, yep. And uh, you know, those were, were good plays, but for the most part, it's hard to run the ball against the Eagles. Uh, let's let's talk through the final drive. Uh, you know, because ultimately, look, the the Eagles take a lead with that AJ Brown touchdown. They're up by right. they're up by seven uh, in the fourth quarter. They get the ball back under two minutes, Washington, and they're able to go. Uh, it was about sixty five yards or you know seventy yards uh, right. and put put it into the end zone. What were some of your takeaways just kind of watching that final drive? Um, I mean, I was taking note really of how the Eagles wanted to play. They they were in their four two nickel pretty much all of it. Yep. Um, they started out with uh, Reddick and Sweat on the edge, Cox and Carter inside. Then they uh, moved into Ipolotu, and and Williams got some snaps inside. Um, you know, I, uh, you know, just being honest, I thought that that Slay did not have a great final drive. Um, obviously, on the on the final touchdown, they moved Slay for the first time all game to the right, so he could match up to uh, McLaurin, and they had Job on the left, and ultimately Job got beat, but. Uh, you know, you can debate all you want the coverage they played because obviously the ball wasn't thrown to Slay's side, but both Slay and Job were playing in the end zone, you know. And again, like I said, you can debate that all day long. I don't usually do that with coaches because I feel they know better than I do. But, um, uh, you know, Job was, was playing significant off coverage, which he's not at anywhere near as comfortable with as he is pressed because I thought he had a lot of really strong press man snaps in this game. Yeah. You know, no, where yeah. balls weren't thrown, where he yep. just really, he had one against McLaurin early. He had one against Samuel. I mean, he just had some really strong press man snaps and that's what he does really, really well. Um, but on that final drive, 
Um, you know, it was kind of an up and down kind of drive because I thought Reddick started to crank up his pass rush later in the yep. fourth quarter and he started to win off the edge against Wiley. You know, they had the big sack on that drive. Um, they were very aggressive with pressure. They played a lot of man coverage. Uh, you know, th- they didn't play prevent defense at all. No, you know, and that's they, what they, I felt yeah. like a lot of the engagement I was getting like uh, via social media and during the during the post game show last night was uh, you know oh they were playing soft prevent defense or playing soft soft coverage and they, you know they had that a lot no like they were playing a lot of man they were blitzing like it was yeah. it was an aggressive uh, reaction there late in the fourth quarter. No, absolutely. I mean, you know. Look, I thought, you know, Howell made some good throws and, uh, you know, it was I don't want to say it's one of those things because coaches never say it's one of those things. But, you know, I I thought that, uh, you know, the Eagles came out, they were aggressive, they they didn't sit back and they got beat a couple of times and Howell made some throws, you know, sometimes that happens. Yeah, you have some mental errors in coverage, and you know, you level up some, uh, you know, some leakage there from a coverage standpoint, and uh, you're gonna get beat. I mean, the fact that you were able to get that sack, you mentioned the Reddick sack, uh, and then to get you get to third and seventeen, and you can't get off the field. That's that's always a tough break, but um, you know, you're gonna be able to uh, to kind of play through that, and certainly they were able to bounce back. I want to ask you about a, a handful of uh, players and, and thematic things here uh, from a defense standpoint. Linebackers, uh, Zach Cunningham, Nicholas Morrow, obviously Morrow, you know, he becomes the first Eagle in, uh, in team history to have three sacks, 10 tackles and a forced fumble in a game. He's the first linebacker, I think since, uh, shoot, who was it? I saw that, uh, uh, it might've been G Cobb. I'm pretty sure it was G Cobb was the last linebacker that had, right. uh, three, three sacks in a game. Uh, what are your thoughts uh, overall on, on the way that Cunningham and Morrow uh, played in this game? I thought they both played really well in this game. Yeah. You know, Cunningham is a really good run defender. I think that uh, he's he's really outstanding at reading blocking schemes and hitting and hitting gaps. Um, you know, I think uh, he's he just has an excellent feel for that, uh, and he's clean to the running back a number of times. Um, I thought Morrow flashed all game, both in the run game. He was used as a blitzer. Um, I thought they both played really well. Yeah, I, I thought both guys really showed up. You know, and what I liked was, you know, the the three sacks happened for a couple different reasons, right? I mean, you saw one where he was uh, his second one. He was a whole player uh, and kind of added in late. Uh, he saw that uh, that Howell was under duress. He had a pressure from I think it was Cox and Reddick on that one uh, that kind of forced him off his spot. And then he just triggered and went downhill. Another one came on a double mug look where he was uh, was a lacrosse dog against the uh, the center in the back that was well executed. Another yeah, one he, yeah. he just disguised it well. The one the last one uh, then came from depth and it was a, a free run right at the quarterback. So uh, just being able to get those sacks in a variety of ways was cool to see as well. Yeah, no, it was, you know, it was an odd game in the sense that I thought they, they, were, they did some really good things on defense, but the, the score makes it seem like they had a bad defensive game. And and I guess, as I said earlier, the thing that probably stood out the most was that their, their D-line did not dominate as I think many of us expected they would. Yeah, they they had a, a bunch of pressures in the game, but again, like uh, it was just I, I agree with you. It was just one of those uh, kind of weird games uh, from that standpoint. Yeah, let's now go to uh, let's turn turn our attention towards Sunday against the Rams, Greg, because uh, it's going to be an interesting one. You know, look the big the big topic with the Rams. I think this week will be Cooper Cup returning to practice, uh, and so as we're sitting here Monday night, we don't know how that's going to play out. Obviously, this hamstring injury is something that kind of bothered him through the through the course of training camp. Then he reaggravated it, and that's what caused him to put him on injured reserve. So I'm sure they're going to be conservative with kind of bring with bringing him back. But yeah, I, that said, I mean, him, you know, him potentially being on the field Sunday would would mean a huge difference for this offense. Yeah, well, 
let's for a moment say he is on the field. I, you know, we don't know if he will or won't. It's going to be really interesting because he's their Z receiver. And that's where Nakua has been playing. He's been their Z receiver. He almost, oh, you know, they're a big two by two team with reduced splits. And Nakua almost always lines up on the same, you know, with Higby on the same side. And Zigby's the, Higby's the Y. So, you know, Nakua is the Z, Higby's the Y. And that's where he lines up. So it'll be really interesting when Cup does come back, if it is this week, um, how they sort of work that together. Because obviously Nakua has become, through the first four games anyway, an important part of their pass offense. Do you feel, I mean, he's a big bodied guy. Uh, and obviously that doesn't mean everything, but in terms of him having that X receiver skill set, uh, you um, know, I know there, there, there have been a lot of comparisons to him being like what Robert Woods has been for them in the past and, you know, kind of used in a, a lot of different ways. When you look at him, do you feel like uh, he kind of takes over that role and Van Jefferson goes to the bench? How, how do you kind of view uh, the way that he could be used in concert think- with Cup? I think Nakua is essentially a possession type receiver who's really, really good exploiting gaps in zone coverage. Um, he's not really a, a vertical threat. Um, yeah, I wouldn't call him slow, but he's he does not have great speed. You know, I think he's knows how to run routes. I think he understands, you know, how his routes time up with the with the the quarterback's drops. Um, you know, he certainly has good hands. Um, he can work through contact. But, you know, to me, he's more of a Z than an X. I, you know, now, again, that doesn't mean he can't play X. The way McVay plays offense with a lot of reduced splits with, you know, he's really, really good. You know, I made the point. We've talked about this. Not I haven't talked about it with you, but I've talked about it with others. Um, you know, he's um, McVay. I've talked about the Lions, for instance. That's what I was about to say. I talked mm-hmm. about the Lions and and uh, Ben Johnson. But McVeigh is one of the best coaches in the NFL, understanding space and field balance. And he attacks voids with his routes in zone coverage at a really high level. And, and Nakua benefits from that. Um, so, you know, do I think – I'm not going to sit here and say he's – that, oh, he's just a function of their offense. He's better than that. But I think the nature of what McVeigh does helps Nakua. Well, and that's to me, it's all about like the the way they're using these guys, right? So with Cup yep. on the shelf, and, and again, we'll see if Cup is able to go uh, here this week. But this could be what the Eagles see, uh, what we've seen for the first four weeks, and that has been uh, Puka Nakua. We mentioned Van Jefferson, but then also Tutu Atwell, who's you know really kind of come on this year, former second round pick out of Louisville, uh, the, who's essentially like the exact opposite of Nakua in that he's uh, extremely small, extremely tiny, but really, really explosive, and they know how to leverage that speed. When you look at uh, look at the numbers, Greg, I mean, they are way out in front in terms of the way, how much they use these bunch sets and with the what you talked about it, like the way that they're able to leverage space, find those soft spots, yeah. kind of put stress on defenders. Uh, those bunch sets have a lot to do with that. You know, the way they distribute these receivers yeah. and move them around, know what your rules are and attack it. I mean, that's the, the Eagles are going to have to have all of that stuff really buttoned up going into this game. And as more and more teams in the league are, they're using motion really effectively. And you need to use motion with someone like Atwell because, as you mentioned, his size, you can't just line him up in one spot and allow people to jam him and disrupt his release because they'll take him right out. So they use motion really effectively with Atwell. They, You know, we haven't seen much motion with Nakua, although they did have an unbelievably cool play this week. I know exactly what you're talking about. which was, you know, I thought it was one of the cooler plays I, I've seen this year. And they actually came back to the same concept of the play without the motion by Nakua um, 
later, you know, I think it started overtime. It was 20 yards to Nakua. Yep. It was basically the same concept as his 32-yarder earlier in the game, but the Rams got to it from a different formation and a different deployment of motion. He was not the one in motion on that play, but the whole concept of the play was the same. And that's the thing is that, you know, when you're you're moving guys around, you're using different motions. And, and real quickly, there's also like a couple different kinds of motions that they use. There's like the pre-snap motion. And then you're what we're seeing around the league more and more, certainly in Miami right now uh, and a few other teams as well, is like this fast motion at the snap. And when you have a guy like Atwell, who you're already like, all right, this guy's got four, three speed. You got to worry about that when he's got a head of steam and now yeah. he's coming at you where he's lined up. Maybe he's lined up to the left and now he comes all the way to the right. And uh, he's going to be, now he's the number one receiver to the right and he's taking off vertically, or he's going to run a dig from there. Like it, when you were playing a lot of pattern match zone coverage, that really messes with your rules in terms of if you're the, the yeah, safety on that because side. It happens so fast. Yeah. So yeah, now now you know the corner's got to bump out if if you're playing zone, you know, because now he's responsible for one vertical and all of a sudden Atwell's one, but they literally snapped the ball, you know, you you're unsure if he's going to be one or if he's going to be two, you know, you get into all those things because that's how the zones work, you know, it's who's one, who's two, how am I how am I uh, mapping that out and how am I reacting to it? And if you're playing man and you're running a guy across the formation with him, there's no way he can jam him coming off the ball. Yep. So now he has free access and he can generate speed and velocity. So, you know, they do a really, really good job with that. And I just have to say that, you know, Matthew Stafford's played a long time, Fran. Yeah, but he is—he still throws the ball really, really well. He—he's always been one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch. And he—he'll uh, he'll take off and scramble on you when you don't expect it to. He had a couple of those uh, in this game against. Yeah. The um. You know, look, this is a team that can beat you in a lot of different ways. Uh, when you look offensively, they're they're up in the you know in the top ten or, or whereabouts or you know close thereabouts uh, in a number of different areas. So I think when you look at, at the way this team can beat you, um, you know, it's definitely pass game focused. Like the run game, you know, Kyron Williams is the back right now, and I, I would say like comparison wise. He's very similar to Kenny Gainwell, right? Like he, he is, he's a, a patient runner. Uh, he can check a lot of, but he's a good pass protector. He catches the ball well to the backfield. He's yeah. not like a dynamic ball carrier, but uh, this is a guy that can check a lot of boxes and is going to be a, a solid player for them. He's just not going to be like that, like uber, no, and, and like uber dynamic. Not get, out of there. We know he's not getting 25 carries this week. Right. So, so, you know, again, I would not expect their run game to be a huge factor um, in the game. Uh, you know, and I think they'd have to score points by throwing the ball. And by the way, I don't know how he'll do this week, but I thought Joseph Noteboom at left tackle this past week played really, really well. Yep. And, and you know, some might even say he's not a tackle in the NFL, but, you know, they've had a, a totally revamped all line with injuries, changes in personnel. And I thought Noteboom played really, really well this week. So uh, the injuries you're talking about. So Alaric Jackson uh, hurt his hamstring in week three last Monday night against the Cincinnati Bengals. Left left the game early. Uh, they put in Zach uh, Zach Thomas, and Zach Thomas struggled. Uh, he was he was he was brutal. He, was, uh, he really had a hard time last yeah. week. Zach yeah. Thomas. Yeah. They yeah. couldn't he, put him he, out there this week. So yeah, he was a healthy scratch uh, here week four. So what they did was they took Joe Noteboom. They moved him from right guard to left tackle. He was their opening day starter at left tackle last season in 2022. So had experience doing that. And then they took Kevin Dotson, who'd been on the bench. They just traded for him from Pittsburgh. He got the start at right guard. Now there's uh, the again, it's Monday night. Uh, so we don't know exactly what it's going to look like. It looked like Alaric Jackson was a game time 
overtime decision. He was questionable going into the game. So have they seen enough from uh, from Joe Noteboom? They're like, okay, we want to put him in. Did they like what they saw from from Kevin Dotson? Because apparently he played pretty well. I don't know what your thoughts are there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see like how the how that shakeup. Uh, you know, I thought their line played the pretty well, and and for the most part, I think it's played reasonable. I mean, obviously Thomas, who was you know the healthy scratch this week, really had a hard time the week before. But I think for the most part, their all line is kind of held up better than people thought. Um, yeah. And you know, Dotson has started in this league, so it's not as if they put in a guy who's never played. Yeah. So um, we'll see what they do. As I recall, I mean, I think I, I did note Boom coming out of college, and he was a tackle in college. He was. Yep. He was, uh, and like I said, uh, started the year for them there last year. At, uh, yeah, so I mean, he uh, he certainly tackle. has experience playing left tackle. And again, like I said, you know, now he's going to be going up against Josh Schwett, who's, you know, a really, really good player. So, um, uh, you know, you don't know, but I, all I'm saying is this past week, the tape showed that Note Boom played well, and they let him block one-on-one a lot. Yep. Yeah, and Steve Avila is the left guard, a rookie second-round pick. and he, he's Really solid well. guy. Yep. yep. Really solid guy. Uh, let's go to the other side. Uh, the defensive coordinator, uh, Raheem Morris. Look, if you're looking at this depth chart, uh, most I would say most of our listeners would go through and would not be able to name a lot of the guys. Uh, you know, <laughs> not just not not just like the two deep, but like the, in the starting eleven uh, for the Rams. That said, like I enjoy watching units like this because it's fun to just kind of see, like, all right, like who pops. Um, and there are a number of uh, very young guys who. And I've been watching them really all popping. season. You probably just started watching them, you know, recently. I've been Last watching week, them all yeah. season. Yeah, well, what are your thoughts when you watch this group? I kind of like the way they play. I mean, I think they play hard. Um, do they have great players? No. I mean, obviously, we know about Aaron Donald. Um, you know, I think Ernest Jones is a solid stacked backer. Um, the secondary is probably people couldn't name their secondary unless you kind of follow the NFL closely. Um, you know, they, they, they're playing Darian Kendrick at left corner, and um, I think it's left corner, and and uh, Witherspoon at right corner. Um I think that's what it is. I think um, it's, it's it's flipped, but yeah, though it's, it's uh, those, Sorry, guys yeah, outside, okay. oh, those guys are the outside guys. Right, right. They're the outside guys. And then they have Kobe Duran as the slot corner. Um, this is a team that jumps back and forth between playing 5-1 nickel and 4-2 nickel. So when they play 5-1 nickel, Jones is the backer. When they play 4-2 nickel, they bring in Roseboom. Um, I think he's a South Dakota State kid, if memory serves me correctly. Correct. And, you know, he plays pretty – he's played pretty well this year. Say what you want. He's played pretty well. Now, the way they played this game against the Colts is not going to be exactly the way they play against the Eagles um, when it comes to their D-line because they had a number of loaded fronts in which they had Aaron Donald as the wide nine so they can match him up against Blake Freeland, who was a rookie left tackle for the Colts, who's – you know, I didn't particularly like his college tape, and he's certainly not ready to be a starting left tackle in the league. Um, so they that was a matchup that they knew they could exploit, and yes, they did exploit it. But if you if you look at Raheem Morris, and okay, Raheem Morris does come from the kind of Vic Fangio school a little bit. So, you know, what you're dealing with is a team that predominantly starts with with split safety. I mean, that's that's kind of Quarter, quarter, half is kind of a foundational coverage for yep. them. Um, they play both cover six, which is halves to the boundary, cover eight, which is halves to the field. Um, when they play halves to the field, because there's more space, it often features the slot corner locked on the number two receiver, the slot receiver. Um, you know, they, they'll play some man. They'll play some cover one robber. Um, but, you know, they, they they foundationally, they start with split safety. 
Yeah, and I think you know when you look at the the back end, those split safeties, it's, it's Jordan Fuller who's been there for a handful of years and has been a really nice player for them as a, a late day three pick out they of Ohio really State. They really like him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fuller is is you know one of those guys back there that they they, they know they can trust. Uh, Russ Yeast is the other starter uh, who's a seventh round pick a year ago from Kansas State, um, and he's kind of built the same way as Fuller. He's a similar kind of player. Yeah, uh, I, to me, like when I look at the back end. I think Durant's the best player. I I think uh, if you look at the secondary, I think that the nickel corner Durant, uh, he's he's got some mirror ability in terms of being able to play man coverage. You mentioned you know that they will rely on him in some of those looks, right, to lock up on the number two receiver. Uh, but to me, you look at his ball skills, you look at his ability to click and close. Uh, he's an impressive player. Uh, the guys on the outside, they I think teams have had some success, uh, certainly with like double moves and vertical yeah. routes. I think yeah. that's a matchup uh, that will be important to watch here for this this game against the Eagles. So clearly. Um, to me, like looking up at the front, though, uh, is interesting. And look, we don't need to wax poetic on Aaron Donald. You mentioned the matchup here with uh, with Blake Freeland in this game. Uh, they would have, if they, if you have a weak point, a weak point, they're going to dictate one on ones. They have different Correct. ways they can do it. You mentioned the loaded front. Uh, sometimes they'll put him opposite the loaded front. Other times they'll put him at number two on the three man side of that loaded I mean, front. I think just say, like, hey, you're going to hide him. Um, they they they'll, do they'll put, it, they'll put him in the middle of the load this week, yeah. so he'll get a running start against Opeta. Yep, exactly. They're going to find ways to be able to create those uh, those one-on-ones. I would say the other two guys that that's really stand out to me from the front. Uh one of them is currently starter and the other is the like one of the first guys off the bench. Uh Byron Young, who's a, a rookie third-round pick out of Tennessee, 16 I liked a lot coming out cuz you did. Bench. Yeah. And I, I think I think he's getting better with each game. I would say he fits the category of you. You liked him better than I did, Greg. Uh, you know, you, you were a, you were a fan of his coming out of Tennessee, and he he tested really well at the combine, and that athleticism certainly shows up. He's got pop in his hands; like he can go speed yep. to power. Uh, he's had a good start uh, to the Before season. Before you so mention far. the other guy, can I guess who you might be talking about? You can, yeah. I think it's another rookie. It is another rookie. Kobe Turner it is Kobe Turner, number ninety-one. He's he's built just like Javon Hargrave. He's got like that squatty frame. Yep. He's really explosive. He can defend the run. He can get off the ball. Uh, and they they play him in those rush packages alongside Donald. Uh, he's six-two, just on about two hundred ninety pounds. So he's a little bit lighter than Hargrave, but he has kind of like that same like squatty, undersized, like natural leverage frame. Uh, when you get those, him and Donald with Byron Young, uh, and you've got like Michael Hecht, you've got a couple other guys that kind of work in there. It's a, that that could be a disrupt, disruptive front. No, and and I think that ninety seven Hecht is actually, you know, playing pretty well. I mean, he's you know, again, you're you're not dealing with you know five all stars here, but I mean, you know, given who they put out there, these guys play hard. They play with discipline. They play efficiently. I think their defense has been better than people thought it would be. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's performing well so far. Hecht is a guy that was a a defensive tackle, made the team as an undrafted free agent from Brown a couple of years ago, uh, and they first he's for the first time in his career playing off the edge. I mean, he's a, a 300 pounder and you see him like dropping in zone coverage and all their like zone exchange yeah. blitzes and stuff. And uh, the guy's a, a fluid mover. He sets a strong edge in the run game like he, he does a lot. It does a lot of good things for that defense. He's a very useful player for them. No, I you know. Uh, I've watched every game that they played this season and, you know, no one's expecting them to go 13 and four and go to the Super Bowl. But I think this team has probably in the minds of just the general, you know, media and public has performed better than people probably thought. And they're not an easy team to play against. Right. No, it's uh, it's going to be a fun matchup. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to watch it uh, play out on Sunday afternoon, and then we'll talk about it here uh, next Monday night. Greg, thanks so much for joining us once again for Chalk Talk here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. We will talk to you next week.
Thanks, Rant. Great stuff there from Greg. Thanks to him and thanks to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our X's and O's content here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you later this week.